Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Matthew, how's it going? Guys, first time ever, three to one series lead in Toronto Raptors history. It's amazing that we're here, but we are here. And what a game, game three, right? Like, I mean, the Raptors really clawed, clawed back here. And, and, you know, when Kawhi doesn't have the flu, clearly the Raptors are just, the Orlando Magic have no answer for him. Jeff, what was kind of your biggest takeaway from the game? My biggest takeaway, this defense is all world. That way, finally, we're seeing these Raptors, and they've woke up, and they've realized that they are the superior team, and they're finally playing like it. We saw it in Game 2, and then it kind of went away a little bit, but uh, they know who they are now. So let's just do a quick summary of the game. Uh, For the first time in a couple games, the Raptors don't jump off to a hot start. Orlando jumps out right away, takes a big lead. Um, were, what were you guys' thought process? Jeff, I'll start with you. What was your thought process when Orlando take kind of that seven-point lead to start the game? So to me, this is the, this is the key moment of the game. I'm thinking that the, uh, the start of this game is completely different than the last game where they start going up 10-0. And um, the Orlando crowd starts getting into it. And the first thing that they want to do is they want to shut down that crowd. So honestly, I, I was a little bit nervous, but defense stepped up there and uh, got some, forced some turnovers, got some steals. And uh, I think the Raptors really realized what they were doing and uh, started, started sticking to the game plan. Toronto then kind of writes a ship, takes the lead. They have a two-point lead after the first quarter. The bench comes in, holds the lead for really the first time all series. And by the half, the Raptors have taken kind of a commanding lead. Matt, at what at that point, how were you feeling? You know, at that point, I was actually feeling very confident. Um, the stretch there, I believe it was in the second quarter, where we saw a few Kawhi dunks in a, ro- in a row, and especially that sequence when Gasol stole the ball, gave it up to uh, Kawhi, and Kawhi kind of did a spin move for an easy dunk. That really was a point where I started to feel comfortable. And for me, and I mean, Jeff kind of said it before, and even looking at the plus-minus for the Orlando Magic, right? Out of all their players, one one starter – was a positive everybody else was a negative right you could really see the defense rounding into form around that time and by that point it just kind of felt like it was a matter of time so I was very confident going into the third quarter yeah and a couple things in the first half that really swung the series is or swung the game was the Magic's hot shooting to start they came off and they were hitting a lot of jump shots that lead was built on a lot of perimeter jumpers Uh, Nikola Vucevic hit a couple and some unsustainable looks, in my opinion. Then another big thing that happened was Jonathan Isaac picking up that second foul. When he mm-hmm. was out of the game, they were forced to put Fournier on Siakam, and you know he's just not good enough to guard Siakam, and that caused a lot of matchup problems for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, uh, Fournier. I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, Isaac is really the only player that can even, you know, stand up face to face with with Siakam and even then Siakam's kind of proven the doubters wrong going into the series in many ways yeah and then the second uh the second half just from a game perspective didn't feature much it was pretty much Toronto keeping the lead the entire time and then 
the Magic, trying to fight back with a little, a few couple mini runs there. Jeff, was there any point in the second half when you thought this game was somewhat in jeopardy? You know what? After uh, Siakam puts up that three right before the half, it it almost felt last where the game ended. Raptors, Raptors really, there was no doubt after that. Yeah, I totally agree. So let's kind of get into the, the categories for this game. We'll do two takeaways here for everybody since there's three of us. Jeff, what was one of your takeaways from the game? I'm going to say Benj is finally coming to play. So uh, you had Serge, who had 13 points, 8 rebounds, and Powell had 16 of his own. So uh, points, that is. So I, from a team that has struggled a little bit with their with their bench, they uh, they stepped up tonight. Matt, what was one of your big takeaways? I kind of mentioned it before, but again, right, Jonathan Isaac being the only player on the plus-minus side, um, on the positive side, obviously. And he was only a plus two, right? But so let me write, let me run you down these uh, stats real quick. Aaron Gordon, minus 15. Vucevic, minus 19. Augustine, minus 21. Fournier, minus 25, or minus 16. And uh, our boy Terrence Ross with a, a minus 25 on the night. So that really shows you that the defense was creating turnovers and really um, uh, really forcing the Magic to take a lot of tough shots and, and, and just not get into their offensive flow. Yeah, Jeff, you made a great point there on the bench unit. This is really Serge's best game of the series. It was Norman Powell's best game of the series. Fred Van Vliet didn't have a great game, but he struggled all series long, and this is actually one of his better ones. It was one of the best performances from the bench that we've seen thus far and something that I really think is going to be critical for the Raptors moving forward. Um, You also saw Clifford start throwing different defenses at at the Raptors. And uh, both the bench and the starters, they were able to get past whatever was being thrown at them because you saw them mixing in the, the zone and um, and the Raptors were, were breaking it. They, they did a good job, both the bench and the starters. They had the answers. One of the things that I would say is my biggest takeaway is the defensive prowess that the Raptors had, particularly in the first quarter, causing turnovers. Uh, the hands of Marcus All have been huge this series, and the Raptors have been very aggressive, doubling Nikola Vucevic in the post. And that doesn't work unless you have guys making deflections and forcing turnovers. And Toronto, all series long, has been really good about getting their hands in the passing lanes and creating easy turnovers from a Raptors team that doesn't have you know, the talent offensively to put up big-time numbers. Jeff, what's another takeaway that you have? Uh, I mean... This defense, I'm kind of with you there. That this defense is just everything that I was seeing. That the the Raptors made everything tough, and um, it's it stood it stood out all game long. Right, and the rotations I think were one of the things that really stood out to me. That it was a total team effort, and the fact that Toronto's not afraid to send multiple bodies at a ball handler or multiple bodies into the paint because they recover so quickly and are able to switch on so many different options that it gives you versatility that, you know, past Raptor teams just didn't have. Matt, what was on, your... Uh, Go ahead. So, uh, yeah, on the podcast, even with that, the, uh, they're showing Gasol and, uh, and and the picks he was setting on offense and uh, and his defense stepping in the right spot. So, um, yeah, sorry, just to piggyback on that too there, Mike. Matt, what was your second overall takeaway? I, I, by the way, I definitely agree with you, Mike, on the on the rotations. Um, I think after game one, Nurse really found a nice 
a nice uh, groove with his rotations. But I, I'm actually I actually really want to highlight the play of Kyle Lowry because I just think that uh, and and we've it's kind of been mentioned by some of the other folks uh, on the podcast this uh, over the last few games, but he has really just found a nice comfortable rhythm and uh, you know where he was a little hesitant in the first. In, in the first game, like even in this game, right? Confident shooting the threes, taking, picking his spots and his opportunities. I really like this, um, uh, the one sequence where they probably got their best three of the game where he drove right down. I think it was in the third quarter, just drove right down end to end line to end line, basically with the ball sucked the defense in that uh, was able to pass around and they were able to get a nice open three. I forget who, who actually scored the three, but for me, Lowry is, doing a doing a little bit more of being an enforcer along with being the playmaker and i think that that's what they need and man is that guy aggressive getting the rebounds and doing the dirty things on the on the defensive end to create opportunities for this team well and he finishes with nine points on three of eight shooting and plus 26 on the box minus and that's the exactly. most kyle lowry game that you could ask for so yeah that, baby that's a great <laughs> point marcus all finishes one of three with two points and also has a positive plus minus. So that's, you know, the way those guys impact the game and the small ways that they do it often doesn't show up in the traditional box score stats and more in the advanced stats. Um, for my second takeaway, I guess I'll start with a question. And Matt, I'll ask you first, why yeah. do you think that Nick Nurse has been deciding to go with Jody Meeks here in the first half in that little stretch rather than Patrick McCall, even though Patrick McCall has been active for the past two games and, you know, got on the floor tonight? I think... I think if McCaw hadn't been injured, it probably would have been McCaw instead of Meeks. But I mean, I mean, you know, I, I know, I know McCaw's been in rhythm at least with his legs. But to just even get, give him a little taste at the end of the game today, I think is I think is important. But I can see McCaw getting in a little bit more next series. But for me, I just think that that veteran presence and that veteran leadership is actually. Just giving those spot minutes, which would obviously be going to OG if OG was available. Uh, Jeff, what about you? Do you think that's the right call to go to Jody Meeks right now instead of McCall? You know what? I, I was thinking the same thing when I was when I was watching that game that Matt just said, and I was actually thinking a lot about OG and thinking if um, if if the Raptors are in uh, round two and OG is good to go, is like he, he's available? Is he going to play? And we don't know if he'd have the legs. So when I'm thinking about uh, McCall, who's coming back from uh, from injury, missed the last six games of the season. Then you got to think: Is this guy is he in shape? Is he ready to play? So um, if uh, if Nurse doesn't think so, then yeah, for sure it's the right decision not to put him out there until garbage time. So uh, I, I I think Matt's right. Another thing I think that is important to note is this is more of a Jody Meeks matchup. The Magic don't have yeah. a ton of kind of skilled perimeter players that you worry about on the offensive end. And when you have a team as long and lengthy as the Magic, you really got to focus on having shooting out there. And Patrick McCall just clogs everything up. And you don't want to have Jonathan Isaac stuck on Patrick McCall, sagging off him 14 feet into the middle of the lane and changing the total geometry of your offense. Um, I will tell you, I will tell you though, boys. I really hope not getting ahead of ourselves, but I really hope that OG comes back at some point during that 76ers series because I feel that he could be very important off the bench on the defensive end. From what I've read, it's looking like it's going to be an Eastern Conference Finals return for OG. I know. It's so sad. Yeah, and especially <laughs> with this series being over on both ends so quickly. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be a rough one, and OG would certainly be valuable with all the different wing defenders that the 76ers have. So, But, you know, 
every team has their injuries. The 76ers are experiencing a banged up Embiid, and that's more important than OG and Anobi. So, yeah. Um, Jeff, what was kind of your key moment of the game that you thought really swung this one one way or another? I mean, I said it early, and uh, it, it's uh, I think it's the start. I think that the Raptors uh, they they had a poor start, um, and then they they turned things around real quick, and they they pulled that uh, Orlando crowd out of the game, and they uh, they never took their foot off the gas after that. Matt, what about you? Uh, it was it was a two to three play sequence in the second quarter. Uh, the the score was bouncing back and forth um, between the Magic and the Raptors, and Kawhi got. Three, I, I, three, uh, like three dunks in a row. I think it was, and for me, that was the point where it felt like the the momentum really moved to the Raptors and never left it. Um, and for me, I think that's really important because elite teams suck any life and energy out of the lesser team, right? Which is something we've never really seen from the Toronto Raptors before in any playoff series, even when they face lesser opponents. So to see that felt really good. And then from there, they built upon that lead over time. And then in the third quarter, blew it out. Yeah, that's one of those real step on the throat moments of the Magic. And yeah. that was a key moment. But I'm glad we have three different ones. I'm going to go with that point early in the fourth quarter when it kind of dropped down to an 11-point game or 10-point game. I can't remember what it totally dropped down to. But then you kind of thought the Magic were going to get back in this and make it a close contest. And the Raptors went on a little mini run there to push it back over 15 and kind of really close the game out. So that was my biggest moment of the game. Um, Jeff, who's your MVP of the game? I mean, uh, Skip Bayless tweeted two days ago a quote. I'm starting to think Pascal Siakam is Toronto's best player. And uh, Kawhi Leonard proved that that is not true tonight. I mean, Pascal is great, but you can't look past. You can't look past Leonard. He had 34 points, six rebounds, two assists. It was uh, and two steals on that on that stat line too. He was phenomenal. Matt, give me someone besides Kawhi that deserves MVP. I'm gonna give it to Kyle Lowry, and the reason why is for what I said before, right? Nine assists, seven rebounds, four steals, right? And plus 26. He is he is bringing the positivity to this team in so many different ways. And it, it, it his his effort and hustle is really the driving force behind this team and really helps Kawhi out as well. And he's bail and he bails out um, team members all the time with with either help with either help defense or getting the, or fighting for that defensive rebound and tipping it in the right direction. So for me, um, if it's not going to be Kawhi, it's got to be Kyle. I'm going to go with co-MVPs, and that's going to be Ibaka and Norman Powell. Off the bench, they combined for 29 points on 12 of 17 shooting. They were phenomenal. Serge Ibaka also was great defensively on Vucevic and, you know, a little bit tougher of a matchup for him. So we've seen more Marcus Hall than we normally would. I thought he played fantastic. He got a couple offensive rebounds, put those back up. I can't really speak even more about Serge Ibaka's game and the Norman Paul on the other end, they've been searching for kind of that perimeter option all series long. And if Norman and if Fred Van Vliet's going to continue to struggle, I think you're going to continue to see more and more Norman Paul minutes, maybe up into the 25 minute range. So both of those guys were critical for me. Uh, Jeff, do you have any thoughts on either of those two players performance? Uh, that block from Ibaka was ridiculous. I'll put that. I just got to say that. Yeah. The one on as a Aaron Gordon, Drove down the lane, kind of had a little mini step and tried to yam one home. 
Serge Ibaka meeting Aaron Gordon at the rim in 2019 is not something I expected to see. <laughs> no. Um, and then, Matt, what do you think has been kind of the struggles for Fred Van Fleet so far this series? And do you think this is a matchup thing? Do you think it's just a blip in the radar? What's going on here? You know, man, my big worry is that, especially as these series continue to go on, I worry that Fred Van Vliet's size is holding him back a little bit, especially when he's driving into the paint. If you've noticed, he is leaving so many shots on the rim, and I'm wondering if his size is actually what's holding him back. Uh, it was nice to see him hit uh, one or two dagger threes. I think it might have only been one, but um, he's always had a very nice high arcing shot, but I'm I'm wondering if teams are realizing that his size is is exposing him, you know, and 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 the more I and the more I look at Lowry Van Vliet lineups, I think, man, those are mighty small against a team like the 76ers or the Bucks. And I'm wondering if it's maybe not even necessarily a skill thing, just in the playoffs when you when a team sees you more and more that they can exploit that that size that he does not have. Right, yeah. He's had a couple, I think, misses at the rim that are just uncharacteristic misses and I don't think are anything more than chance, but there's no doubt that he's struggled a little bit against the length of Orlando in this series, and hopefully he's able to kind of turn it around tonight, I think was a better performance than in previous games so far. Oh, for Magic. sure. But yeah. it's, it still hasn't been pretty, and that's something to kind of keep an eye on moving forward. So, uh, Matt, what's your who was your least valuable for t- player for Toronto so far? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Fred. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it, I, I feel like it's been Fred Van Fleet every every game so far. But I mean, he was only plus nine. Um, you know, he's continuing to let people get by him and he's suddenly become the person that they're hiding. Right. And I heard a, uh, I heard a quote from somebody who was saying that the Raptors are hiding him on Terrence Ross because they're worried about DJ Augustine um, going off like he did in the first game. And that to me is a little bit of a concern because that means that the team that the Orlando magic are seeing something uh, in a way to exploit uh, the, uh, or, or exploit Fred Van Vliet. And there's not many other players that you can exploit on this team and take advantage of. So, um, I'm not sure what the Raptors do to be able to combat that, but um, unfortunately Van Vliet is my least valuable player this game. Jeff, who's your least valuable player if you can't name Fred Van Vliet? Yeah, I can't name Fred. So uh, it's hard on a, on a game where the guys all play great. So I, I feel bad saying it, but I'm going to go with, uh, with Gasol. Um, I just, I think I need to see more offense out of him and he's, he's moves that ball real well and he sets, he sets up guys, but I want to see him taking the shot sometimes instead of uh, instead of looking pass first. Uh, for me, I think uh, you want to you want to take advantage of that threat. He he shows he can shoot from outside and uh, and he can post up. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that from him. Yeah, it's a little bit of a tough situation when you can't name Fred VanVleet, and I think everybody else really <laughs> played solid around the thing. So I'm going to cheat and I'm going to say Patrick McCall for not being able to get into the game. It it really doesn't speak well when Jody Meeks has to play in the first half. And I don't know if the plan against the 76ers is just to shorten the rotation even more, but that little stretch where the Raptors have to go to four bench players and Pascal Siakam, and I'm not saying they have to do it, but they do it consistently. That unit has been terrible so far this series. And I don't think that's a postseason lineup. Do you agree, Matt? Yeah, uh, I agree. It's just, there's, there's not enough spreading the floor, right? 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. There's not enough shot creation and there's not enough yeah. spacing in that unit. Something that you try to go small, I think, to create the offense, but that's not enough. You have to have skilled players who can get their own shot off as well. And it's something I hope Nurse cans before the second round, but I don't think that he actually will. I And, and that's my concern, too. Um, you know, I think the rotations have been better since game one, but I'm still worried about Nurse throwing out some crazy lineup at, that uh, future opponents could take advantage of. Matt, what would you say is the key going into game five? I think the key going into game five is that they are clearly the more talented team. They are clearly the more experienced team in this series. And I just think they need to take advantage of that. They, these guys have all closed out series. I mean, well, not all of them, but uh, the leaders, you know, Danny, Kawhi, Mark, uh, at least they have closed out series in short spurts, right? And this is not something, and this is something new that's new to the Raptors franchise and giving that killer instinct to the other players, the, the Siakams of the, uh, of the team is going to do wonders for their confidence going forward. So I think just that veteran leadership is going to pull them through in the next game. Jeff, do you think that the Raptors necessarily need to finish this in five? Would you be, how disappointed on a scale of one to 10 would you be if this game, if they force a game six here for Orlando? Um, I mean, I think that they need to to just move on, get it done, and move on. They they've uh, they've already shown that they have the horses to uh, to run right through these guys. So there's absolutely no reason to to push this to six. Matt, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Jack. Armstrong said it best on the broadcast, right? That uh, you know, Milwaukee's finish. Milwaukee's going to finish up tomorrow, most likely. Uh, Boston's going to. Boston's already finished. Philly's up. Uh, we need to get past this and move on to the next round and stop uh, stop messing around with teams that don't that, that that don't need to be messed around with for you know potential for injury, just legs on teams that don't need it. Um, I think it, it, it it's professional and shows a contender to just finish out the series. I agree, especially with Embiid missing game two against yeah. the Nets. You don't obviously you're not hoping for any kind of injury from anyone, but I think it is fair to try to take advantage when a guy's a little bit hobbled up and you want to try to get him when he's not as fresh as he normally would. So. The longer this series goes, the more time he has off on his legs and the longer he has to get ready for the Raptors. Um, kind of last things here, Matt. What, what's what been kind of your biggest takeaway from the series thus far and what you've noticed through four games? For me, I what I have been most proud of the, of this series is the changing narrative, right? The Raptors narrative came back in a huge way after game one that there's just the same old Raptors even with all these different players, but that has slowly died over these last uh, you know, three games. And I think the reason why is because the Raptors tr- showed who they truly are. Right. And that this is truly a different team with a killer instinct and it can be a contender. Right. So, what 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 this is showing me is that you know th- this is a team that's different. This is a team that yes still has things to improve upon and needs to be better in certain areas and you know some some of that stuff is personnel related so they just got to deal with it. But for me, the resilience of this team and um, 
you know how they how they react after a few after a few bad possessions or a few swings of momentum really help it and it helped them in the long run and it's just a better more professional more playoff built team. Yeah, I agree. This Raptors team is fifty percent um, of what it was last year. Half the rotation of last year was gone, and half the playoff minutes are gone. So yeah. to say the same old Raptors is certainly kind of an old narrative that doesn't have as much truth, especially when you add a guy like Kawhi Leonard. It's so much different than having a guy like Demar Derozan in my eyes. But you know, Kyle Lowry's struggles were real, and I don't think you can dismiss that overall. And it was huge to have that bounce back performance, particularly in Game Two when they had that monster game to kind of calm everyone down and kind of settle the cavalry. Jeff, what's been your biggest takeaway for this entire series? Well, I got to agree with you guys also, first of all. Um, The fact that you had DJ Augustine being talked about um, as a hero for Orlando is definitely not what you wanted to hear in Toronto. Um, But for me, it's been really interesting to look at – look at Nick Nurse. So we talked a lot about the the rotations – and um, there's a lot of talk about Kawhi and his minutes after game one. And uh, it still seems like Nick Nurse has been figuring things out. And um, just, you know, you got to hope that by the end of the series that he has he has a plan in place and he's he's got a good one ready to go for round two. Yeah, I agree with that completely. The The rotations have been really rough in my eyes. I think the game plan actually was pretty strong. The Raptors have been pretty adamant on coming out and stopping Vucevic and letting the other guys on the roster like Jonathan Isaac beat them. Particularly, he's been someone who the Raptors have been really ignoring all series and have sagged off heavily. So I think the strategy's been gone, but I think the in-game management has been a little rough, like you said, Jeff. And this is his first playoff series, and it's something to kind of keep an eye on moving on forward and see if hopefully he can tighten that up for the 76ers. I mean, he's learning. He's learning on the fly, but he's he's got to learn it real quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, there's learning on the fly, but the Raptors don't have time for him to take a postseason to get everything under control. So, sure. All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining me, and uh, let's get a Raptors Game 5 victory. Thank you. Let's go. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.